When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. As usual, it is Josh, Drew, and Connor here catching you up on all things Major League Soccer and North Americans abroad, as well as getting you ready for the next week of MLS action. So thanks again for tuning in for another awesome episode. Super excited to get into a lot of soccer um, to cover, a lot of news to cover, and we are very excited to be talking once again. But before we get into our episode, I would just like to remind you guys that this episode of the MLS Multiplex podcast is brought to you by Manscaped and their new Lawnmower 4.0. Uh, we are one of the first few people to try the Lawnmower 4.0, and it is phenomenal. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Lawnmower 3.0 previously, and they just upped their game and improved even more. Uh, the Lawnmower 4.0 is awesome. Uh, Manscaped keeps improving with their technology. It is waterproof, so you can use it in the shower, which is really convenient. It has an LED spotlight on and off, so when you need to get some more lighting for the shave, really convenient. And yeah, it's wireless charging. That's awesome. You don't need one of those annoying wires to plug in the wall and stuff. So it's waterproof, it's wireless, and there's an LED light. So what more can you ask for? And we have a special exclusive offer for our listeners, uh, 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Again, it is 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. So be sure to take advantage of that. Get another amazing product buy Manscaped and get it free shipping and 20% off. So guys, we're back. It's been a while since we've talked. We've had some fun moves. The world has been wild for us for the past week, week and a half, but we're back. So Josh, I know you moved a little bit. You stayed in the state, I think, but how was, how's your past week been? How's the move been treating you? How's life going so far? Yeah. So I only, I only ended up moving like 30 minutes away um, from where I was previously living. So I'm still in the greater Atlanta area, uh, not not too far from Atlanta, in the, in the, out in the burbs. It's, uh, it's been a long week, really, really long week. It was exactly a week ago today, we're recording this on Monday, that me and my previous roommates had to clean our whole house. And boy, you would not believe the crap that gets accumulated after three years of living in the same place. 
we had so many bags of just stuff that we were throwing out. Uh, it was just so much crap. So that was a long, long day. I think we got started at like nine in the morning and didn't finish until like 1 a.m. And, uh, and so in the last week, I've just been, just been getting settled in a new place, um, all the while helping another friend move this past week, um, helping my parents move some stuff because they're also in the process of, of getting renovations done in their house. I went to another Atlanta United match um, in, this, in this past uh, week and a half since we talked with 40,000 fans. That was pretty crazy, um, but fun experience. And uh, yeah, I started coaching today. We had tryouts. So I got to work with, uh, I think it was... Tryouts. You had tryouts for six-year-olds. No, no. So first of all, I think I'm going to be coaching U8s. So they're not six-year-olds. They're eight- and seven-year-olds. Okay, there's a big... Believe me, there's a big difference. Okay, I cannot stress to you the difference. But today I was helping. I was assisting with, I think there were U9 girls today. So not to brag or anything, but the team I was assisting just totally crushed this other group of girls in the scrimmaging we did at the end of <laughs> at the end of tryouts i don't think you should be flexing the fact that a bunch of nine-year-old girls beat another group of nine-year-old girls who you met for the first time today but no i'm totally you know. gonna, i'm totally gonna own that um but yeah the, i think i think that pretty much sums it all up like like i said it's just been it's been so much i'm probably forgetting oh the hawks had an amazing win last night actually you know what i'm just gonna brag about my sports day yesterday spurs won leeds united won uh monaco and f1 happened that was fun even though i don't really support any teams yet uh my favorite nascar driver won um i'm forgetting something oh braves won hawks won their playoff game madison square garden of the knicks pleasant pleasant experience and then atlanta united basically won by stealing a point on the road at seattle so excellent sports day excellent sports weekend i guess connor i'll go to you next how was how was your last i guess it's been like 10 days now since we recorded yeah, uh, not as eventful as either of your lives, which makes sense considering we just got out of a lockdown, sort of, on Saturday. Uh, so that's something. But yeah, still doing online course stuff. Um, I went outside multiple times over the last week, which is a good thing. Uh, it is Victoria Day here in Can- uh, Canada, and... Well, they like to set off fireworks. People like to do that because, of course, you do. So if you hear fireworks in the background, hopefully I'll have cut it out. But if I'm talking and there are fireworks, that's the excuse. But just a little aside from my week, uh, we are now recording early in the week, like Tuesdays probably. Uh, So you'll actually have games to watch ahead of those actual games, which is an improvement on what what we used to do. So... There you go for that, which is why you've waited a little bit as my dog barks. Um, but yeah, just continuing to grind away at life, I guess. Drew, how, you've hold on. How, yeah, how big is that dog? Uh, it is a border collie, so it's about fifty-ish pounds. I don't know. Okay, sounds like a small dog in the background, but that's that's the bark it does to get attention. Nice to get your attention because it's ear piercing <laughs> and we have to give it attention uh, when it does that. Otherwise we all, we'll all go deaf. So it's currently, I think my dad probably just went to bed or my brother just went upstairs and now my dog's all confused because people aren't where they should be and <laughs> it's a hurting dog. So 
Yeah, it's don't get me started. You two both busy moves. Drew, first let's hear about how your last ten ish days have been because I feel like you've been a bit it's been a bit more chaotic uh, for you than it has been for me for sure. Uh, we'll see whether or not you've, it's been more chaotic than Josh's 15 different moves. Wait, hold on. One other thing. I also got a job this past week, so that was exciting. Hey, yeah. nice. Doing what? Uh, working at a downtown community center. It's basically like a souped-up YMCA uh, in a city. Like It's like a city over from where I'm living right now, so that's cool. I'll be doing that and coaching and teaching music. Lots of, lots of stuff. Anyway, Drew, the best job out of the three of us. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's been, it's been good. I moved to Nashville, uh, about a little over a week ago, uh, working with Nashville SC. So that's been super fun. Got to go to a soccer game. What are you doing with Nashville SC? Come on. What we are need, doing? The viewers don't know what they're doing. The view, well, we doing? don't have viewers. <laughs> we have listeners. Connor. Whatever. We don't and, know what we're doing. Apparently, <laughs> I do super top secret things. No, I am a digital and social media intern. So the people you people yell at when the lineups get posted are my bosses. So for the sake of my bosses, stop yelling at the people who post the lineups. They don't make them. Um, but yes, I'm doing that for the summer. Super excited about that. I started last week. Uh, I got to go to a soccer game yesterday. Got to see Nashville beat Austin FC. Uh, was chilling in the press box, so that was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, it's been pretty chaotic moving. Um, thankfully, it wasn't the longest move in the world. It's only a state up from Georgia, so that was cool. And yeah, thankfully, the good thing about this is I don't have any classes to do, so I am fully focused on this. School is done. Uh, Hawks won. That's the only thing I'm going to say about sports because nothing else happened today or this weekend. And um, the playoffs are going on hockey. Nashville's going crazy over the playoffs. The Preds came back and won double overtime. I don't know twice. if I, 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 I wouldn't use Nashville. I would use UC Saros in that statement because UC Saros has been carrying them, if we're being completely honest. Congrats. It was wild because the Preds game. Can happened. you tell me what position UC Saros plays? Not goalie. On the ice. Defenseman. It is. It was goalie. What? Oh, Are you serious? God. Yes, you two idiots. <laughs> when that when the NHL robbed me, robbed us of the Thrashers, I believe in Blue Land. Um, but yeah, Nashville's going crazy over that. Nashville SC still unbeaten, so the city is bumping. I went to a minor league baseball game. I got to see him watch the uh, play the Gwinnett Stripers, the minor league team where Josh and I are from. Josh, I think, is probably pretty close to their stadium. Um, it's like an hour. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. It, it's been cool, and yeah, it was an eventful week, but I'm happy to be settled down and back with you guys recording a podcast at 9.30, like usual for me, because I'm an hour behind you guys now. So I'm <laughs> doing great. I'm not, my sleep <laughs> schedule has not been affected. It took me a little while for the jet lag, so to speak, but it was just driving across a magical line lag, I guess is a better way to describe it. This is Pete Conrauer, so now you know how I feel every week. Um, I do. Okay. We're going to do quiz session here because obviously to monumental scenarios, life changes. I don't know. Basically I want to find out more about your moves so that the viewers know. I golfed on Friday too. 
<laughs> there is a driving range about two minutes away from my house, and it's not Top Golf. And my dad brought me his old thing of golf clubs. Nice. So I will 100 that I am so bad at golf. I didn't know I was that bad. But I will be providing <laughs> golf updates on a weekly basis right now. So update, I'm really bad. Dude, dri- driving range is where it's at. And then when you come back, we got to golf together. Exactly. Or when you go there and you bring your golf clubs. We'll see. We'll see. I got I to gotta start planning out my trip up to Nashville now. I kind of want to also go to the Atlanta-Cincinnati game, but it's like they're both like two weeks within each other, so I don't know if I can make that happen. The new stadium yeah. looks sick, though. True, but seeing Drew or seeing a new stadium? Honestly, I'd pick the new stadium. What? <laughs> oh, man. Also, also guaranteed Atlanta United win because Cincinnati are terrible. Well, so are Nashville, but we won't get into that yet because I want to know more about what Josh. Are you really haven't lost a game? Are you kidding me? I know. It's so easy with you two. Uh, (laughs) Josh, first of all, you have a ton of instruments behind you. Yes. Why? Uh, It is because I have moved in uh, with one of my best friends who is a percussion teacher. He and I went to uh, college together. And we were both percussionists in college. So he, as a percussionist himself, has just amassed lots of percussion instruments um, just over time. So behind me, we got a drum set. We have two gongs. We have a stick that I thought was a rain stick, but it's just a regular stick. Um, (laughs) We've got a, I think there's a hand drum in this case behind me. And then there's a, a concert snare drum to my right. Uh, a couple drum pads over here. So this is light, honestly. There's a lot of other hand drums that are are normally in here, but they're being borrowed by a mutual friend of ours right now. So there's normally even more musical instruments in here. But yeah, this is this is the, uh, um, I guess we call this the studio that I'm in right now. Okay, so this isn't in your actual bedroom? No, I am in a uh, room upstairs. I am not fully settled in with my living space downstairs because basically i have a living room to myself and a bedroom and a bathroom and uh there's still so you have the basement yeah yeah and uh okay there's still like boxes and crap everywhere so i'm not filming or well we're on facetime but i'm not recording down there yet i'll be you'll see you'll get to see that space next week i guess (laughs) all right well one of these days we'll do a video podcast uh we'll have to figure that out with fansided though um but Hey, it's good, big move. Now, we're going to talk more about Drew because his move was a bit more drastic as my dog continues to bark in the background. Drew, where are you living? Who are you living with? Uh, What do you do for Nashville? Have you messed up yet? What is going on with my animal? Um, Just give us the lowdown on what you've done in Nashville so far. The lowdown. So I'm living in Hermitage, Tennessee, which is like 15 minutes outside of Nashville. Um, not too bad of a commute. I'm in the office a couple times a week. Super nice office. Really cool stuff. So that's awesome. Um, let's see what else. I'm living with two people that I don't know too well, but they are super awesome guys to be living with in this wonderful summer. Um, what am I? What was the other question? What am I doing? What am I doing? What are you doing, doing with Nashville? What yeah. am I doing? That's a great question, Connor. I'm getting people coffee. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> let's see. I went to the game yesterday. Yes, that's probably where I should start. And I watched the broadcast um, for Giffable Moments. 
that might be a good way to put it. And then this morning, I went over the minutes that I wrote down, and I made them into GIFs. And those GIFs should be available for fans shortly. So I did that. Uh, I made a Google Analytics report. Um, That's cool. Talking about how people how many people went on the website. I wrote some stuff. Uh, I think (laughs) this is funny. I I think, I think it's fine if I say this, I don't think any of them listen to the podcast, but we were talking about uh, the Atlanta game coming up Saturday, Saturday. Yes. Cause it's on UCL final, which is, we talked about that before the podcast weird. Um, And we were talking about how we want to plan for the United game and the Nashville like marketing team just roasted Elaine United right there as I was sitting in the boardroom and it was wonderful. <laughs> and like, wait a second, like, don't you watch Atlanta? I was like, yeah, I do, but I love this. This is funny. <laughs> um, so I get to li- listen in on the Atlanta roast sessions. So that's really fun. Um, but yeah, it's been awesome. My technical title is digital and social media intern is the official official title that I have, but just getting started, a uh, long summer, but it's been cool so far. We're doing some writing. I manage the Nashville SC official fan group on their Facebook. I help manage it with someone else. So if you want to join the official Nashville SC fan group, do it. So I get more engagement. So it looks better for me when I talk about my boss <laughs> and start liking all of Nashville SC's tweets. So engagement goes up. <laughs> All right, do that, all 15 people who listen to this podcast. Um, I'm sure you'll have a huge impact on Drew's numbers, but I want to know more about what you've done in Nashville over the last week. Only been in the office, you said, like two days a week. So what do you do in the times that you're not in the office? Are you just touring wherever you live? Are you traveling to Nashville? What have you done? (laughs) I've played golf. Um, no, that's part of it. There's a driving range super close. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, I went, I usually go to coffee shops and work. Cause I have to work remotely. Um, so I go to coffee places. Usually I went and tried some barbecue. Uh, I'm trying to find a good bagel place in Nashville. So if, if any of these listeners or if you guys know of any good bagel places, let me know. Um, Tried some bagel places and went to a minor league baseball game. That was cool. Uh, I went and watched game two, two, yes, game two of the Canes Pred series. I'm um, just at like a Buffalo Wild Wings type place, and it was pretty funny seeing them lose. Um, yeah, pretty much when I'm not in the office, I'm trying cool places to eat. I'm trying to get as many cool Nashville places to eat as I can. Interesting, interesting. Uh, there you go. So that's what Josh and Drew are up to in their entire living situations. I guess if you have more questions for them, send them to me at CWG Somerville, S-O-M-E-R-B-I-L-L-E on Twitter, and I will ask them on our next podcast next week. So I'm expecting zero questions. Uh, (laughs) but let's actually dive into the podcast and talk some North Americans abroad because we've had a busy week over the last 10 days. Uh, as leagues wrap up, teams win their t- uh, domestic leagues. We continue to push toward the Champions League final. And let's just start off with Weston McKinney. He won the Copa Italia with Juventus, um, which I love how you had to put in a pronunciation there because Drew doesn't know how to say Juventus. Uh <laughs> But they clinched it with a 2-1 win over Atalanta. Uh, and he assisted on the first Juve goal. So 
Big result for Weston McKinney. I Ronaldo didn't start, did he, in this game? He was on the bench. Yeah, yeah. he didn't start in their season finale yesterday either. Oh, maybe it was the season finale I was thinking about. No, I mean, I don't think he started in that other game either. Interesting. wonder what that means for he's Cristiano. T- he's tired. Okay, sure. He's coming to Cincinnati. Oh, he's coming. <laughs> no, Nashville. He's coming to Nashville. Actually, you can't say that. For legal purposes, that was a joke, borderline, Connor. <laughs> yeah, borderline credible. <laughs> no, he didn't. Uh, but also last week, Jordan Siabetu. Nope, said that wrong. Seabass. Seabass, uh, yep, Jordan Seabass. Signed a permanent contract with BSC Young Boys through 2024. He was initially on loan from Rene in League 1, because I think they're still in League 1. Um, which, speaking of Liga, Lille won Liga. Finally topped PSG after they'd won the league for, what, seven years in a row? Uh, so huge result for them with Jonathan David and Timothy Weah uh, obviously being on Lille and in David's first season in France, he tops the league. So good start for him after a rocky beginning of the season. Uh, Brendan Aronson grabbed two assists for Salzburg in his final game of the season. Uh, and Joe Scally scored his first goal for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, he was a player sold to uh, Gladbach from... Uh, it was NYCFC, correct? Yes. Yeah. He didn't even play a game for them. So hopefully he continues to perform well and we see more moves like this happen. But other... Obviously, there are numerous leagues that Americans won in because there are just more of them abroad. But... Canada also won Turkey with Kyle Warren and Atiba Hutchinson, uh, winning it with Besiktas. And Scott Arfield won Scotland with uh, Glasgow Rangers. So really good season for Canadians on top of Alfonso Davies winning the Bundesliga, obviously. But I want to know, boys, what was the biggest North Americans abroad news for both of you? What is it? Josh, you go first. I will probably have to say Joe Scally scoring his first goal only because it just went so under the radar compared to the rest of this, which, I mean, that's cool because there's so many trophies um, going out to these Canadians and Americans that, like, it it just wasn't really picked up by anybody. Um, But, yeah, I mean, just really cool for him. He's still only 18, I think. Uh, Yeah, he's still only 18, which is insane. Also... Should stand corrected. He did make four appearances for New York City FC, so he didn't. He didn't not appear for them. However, I don't know how accurate that is because on his Wikipedia page, right next to four appearances, it says he scored 516 goals for New York City FC, and there's no way that's accurate. <laughs> so um, I don't know who was in charge of making his Wikipedia page, but they did an awful job. Um, but yeah, you know, good for him for scoring his first goal. You know, if all goes well, then, you know, we might be hearing more of him. Shockingly, he plays right back as if America didn't have enough, like, starting quality right backs to begin with. So maybe we won't be hearing much of him. I don't know. But, yeah, really cool for him to, to get his first goal. And, and like I said, just so many other trophies happening. Drew, uh, what, was, what was your biggest moment from uh, North Americans Abroad this past week? I might be taking Connors here, but oh well. I mean, it has to be Jonathan David and Timothy Way winning the French League, right? Because not only is it awesome that they're winning the French League, 
but it's just not PSG, or honestly, for that matter, it's not Lyon winning it. I feel like those are the two big names that we usually associate it. So with someone like Lille, just the storyline in general, that the fact that they're winning the league is pretty awesome in general, and the fact that there are two North Americans at the center of it. I think, does Jonathan David still lead the team in scoring? Because he was for a little bit, so he's at least up there in scoring. So I don't think he's up there. He scored a goal. He scored a goal on the weekend. Okay, uh, in their game against PSG. So, check that. so maybe he doesn't lead the team in scoring, but that will be fact-checked by our fact-checker, Connor. He, he, in also, the he also missed those couple weeks to injury, so I don't think he ended up top of their team in scoring. Okay, well, he's definitely a central part of the team winning the league, and that's pretty phenomenal that there's a Canadian in the center of the story. When you think of Canadians, you think of Alfonso Davies, and the fact that Jonathan David's doing it, pretty phenomenal. He was second behind Ooh. Barack Yelmaz uh, with... 13 goals, Yelmaz had 16. Ah, not bad. All right, yeah. I don't know what the P stands for, though. Penalty? Games played. Oh. <laughs> wow, Yelmaz was nuts. He scored 16 in 28. Oh, there's some Gareth Bale numbers right there. David had 13 and 37 goals. Uh, and then assists, he is tied for sixth with two. That's depressing. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Timothy Weah, where is he on this list? Seventh. He had three this season. So, in 28. Probably could be better, but based on his history of injuries and all that, not terrible, not terrible. Uh, but anything else you want to add to Lille? They dang did it, man. Better than seeing another German team win the same league for the is it ninth straight time Bayern Munich won the league. Yep. Yeah. Here's to competitive balance in Major League Soccer and parity <laughs> and not knowing what the heck is going to happen. Watch out for Red Bull next season. They're going to have a lot of money to spend uh, in this transfer window, according to Thomas Fate, because uh, apparently they've brought in like over 100 million you mean euros. Man- you mean Manuel Fate? Or what did I say? Thomas Fate. Thomas. Why do I always say Thomas? I don't know. Manuel Fate, uh, what are you doing, Josh? Uh, one of my roommate's cat, first of all, she's freaking huge. Like the biggest <laughs> cat you've ever seen in your life. And she's just like laying on the floor, like like on her back. I don't know why. She just came in here. All right. Well, more cat <laughs> content from Josh. So my moment of the week is going to be Weston McKinney because I was skeptical of his move to Juventus when it first happened. Uh, I thought he was too far on the depth chart to really get meaningful minutes, and he's shown up, and he's done really, really well under Andrea Pirlo. And I think that's a really good sign for him and his development, uh, playing a pretty big role for a uh, winning team in one of the best leagues on the planet. Probably, what, third, fourth somewhere from the second to four range in terms of leagues on the planet. So having him play that sort of role and him being involved in goals, et cetera, I think is a big sign for the future of the U.S. national team and his development, his career, and all of his, just all of North America benefiting from players succeeding in Europe and reputation growing of American and Canadian talent. So... I'm going with Weston McKinney, but let's dive into, speaking of the U.S. men's national team, their roster against Switzerland. 
Uh, Aaron Long and Chris Richards were both out with injury. Uh, Tyler Adam- Adams was listed, even though he is currently uh, going back to the U.S. to get treatment for a back injury. Uh, other notable names that uh, made it, DeAndre Yedlin, who's back for the first time since November 2019. Either of you want to remind our listeners of what happened in November 2019? Nothing important, that's for sure. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm sure a 30-year 30 30-year 30 record uh, wasn't very important, but is what it is. Uh, Julian Green is back for the first uh, with the first team for the first time since December 2018. Justin Che, who is 17 years old, Josh and Drew and I can all agree that we now feel very old. Uh, who's a defender for uh, Bayern Munich? Who's there? Has he moved officially yet, or is he still with FC Dallas technically? It's just reported that they're gonna that there's a you know clause in his contract that. Bayern, or that they had the option to buy him, but he is currently technically on loan from FC Dallas right now. All right, well, 17-year-old getting into camp is a big sign for, uh, I guess, the U.S. national team because central. he's a central defender, correct? I think he is, yeah? Yeah, this is really similar to Chris Richards. Like, he went on loan yeah. and hadn't played for Dallas or barely played for Dallas, and then they just went ahead and bought him outright. Yeah, it's a huge sign for uh, U.S. men's national team because their weakest position in terms of young players, in my opinion, is central defender. Uh, left back is probably a little... Okay, left back, that's true. A little, but that's, a little more shallow, but yeah, center back is definitely still an area of, of worry. Left back is just weak, period. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. Um, well, not for you play- guys. No, that is true. We do have... A few options, uh, although right back is a little weak for us, ignoring Rachel Area, but we could use some central defender. If you could give us Chris Richards, we'd love that. That'd be really appreciated. Yeah, no. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, really appreciate that sacrifice. Christian Pulisic and Zach Steffen are both out uh, because of just some random game. It doesn't matter. It's like it's, it's pointless. Um, Canadians already played in that game before and won it that game before so you know we'll ignore that uh but che david ochoa and matthew hapapa are getting their first u.s senior team call-ups uh so i want to get your guys thoughts on the u.s roster because there were some players left off uh that were sort of notable walker zimmerman uh being one of them so drew nashville sc employee what were your thoughts on the U.S. Women's National Team roster without getting yourself in trouble? Without getting myself in trouble. Walker Zimmerman would have been cool. That would have been fun. Um, I think my biggest thing, it has to be, uh, I don't want to take Josh's guy. So I won't kind of take it. I'll let Josh talk about it. But David Ochoa, just like this guy's random rise to stardom has been so cool between you know the Olympic qualifying shenanigans after actually messing up really bad in that game to automatically becoming like MLS's coolest villain, uh, which we will talk about later, and now getting called to the national team camp. This guy has been the coolest, best villain. He's on my fantasy team now, so I'm all in the David Ochoa sweepstakes. And yeah, I think it's cool. Um, I think that final he had a little bit of a 
rough stretch there. I think if I remember, he just made a bad pass out of the back and got beat in that game uh, in the semifinal to try and clinch qualification in the Olympics. Uh, kind of didn't do too hot on that one, but he's back in. Um, obviously, he impressed in that tournament enough to be called in for the Nations League. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Josh, I know maybe stole your guy, but you have someone else listed. So what do you think about this uh, Nations League roster? Wait, are we talking about Nations League or Switzerland? We were not talking about Nations oh League. Oh my okay. gosh, I totally just skipped that. Okay, no, well, no, okay. I, I mean, was right. I was right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just misspoke. <laughs> I thought I was talking about the totally wrong <laughs> roster. Okay, so not Nations League, roster against Switzerland. Josh, what do you think about the roster against Switzerland? So for Switzerland, the biggest thing that really jumps out to me is, is Yedlin and Green coming back. Uh, I think it just goes to show that no matter how long it's been that you've played with the national team, even if you've already played under Burhalter, like both of these guys, I think, was Burhalter was hired in 2018, in December 2018. So I think Green did play under him, or he just barely missed him. Either way, it's been so long for both of these guys that, you know, my, I think it just goes to show that you can play well and still get called up. And I think that's really, really, really cool. I think... One of the things that's not talked about very often with this current U.S. coaching staff is they're just really good about recruiting and being respectful to the players in the player pool and giving everybody their fair shot. So it's really cool, especially to see DeAndre Yedlin come back, because this is a guy that moved from Newcastle United, a Premier League team, a team that's been in the Premier League for so long, and he was a starter for them. And then, you know, things kind of, you know, he kind of fell out of favor with Steve Bruce, who sucks. But then he gets to you know Galatasaray and immediately becomes a starter for them, helps them nearly win the Turkish League. They came really close. And so it's really cool to see him back in the national team. And um, I think for a while there, you know, people were just thinking like, ah, you know, Yedlin doesn't fit in. You have all these other options with Reggie Canyon and Serginho Dest and even Brian Reynolds and, you know, on and on down the list because the U.S. has right backs coming out the wazoo. So... Yeah, really cool to see Yedlin coming back um, for this roster. And, you know, he was included in the Nations League roster, which was just announced today. Uh, I guess before we move on to that, Connor, do you have any thoughts on that Switzerland friendly? I don't have any thoughts because I didn't even see that roster. Fair Uh, enough. We should point out that that friendly is this upcoming Sunday, May 30th. So by the next time we record, that game will have already happened. So that's up, up and coming this weekend. But the Nations League roster... That was dropped today as we're recording this on Monday. Uh, the biggest changes, obviously, Zach Steffen, Christian Pulisic are included. I think this was a pretty universally accepted roster. Still notable that Tyler Adams is on the roster, again, despite having those back injury issues. Um, probably the biggest snub, though, was Daryl DK. We all know he's been on fire in the championship for Barnsley. But I don't know if you guys realize this, but I didn't realize it until today when it was pointed out, but... He hasn't scored in a month, and that's weird to say. Yeah, both of you just raised your eyebrows in disbelief because it feels like every time we record a podcast, it's like, oh, yeah, DK scored, uh, like, two goals this week, like, almost every week. But, yeah, it's actually kind of been a while since he scored. So that's the reason Burhalter said he wasn't called in. It should be noted that DK is traveling with the team anyway and will still partake in their friendly against Costa Rica right before their two Nations League matches. Hopefully two, assuming they beat Honduras, which is never a given with the United States men's national team. But before I get your guys' thoughts, 
I just want to mention that the biggest things that stand out to me is Ochoa still being included. I thought it was a big enough deal that he was included in the Switzerland roster, but the fact that they're keeping him on for the Nations League roster, I think kind of clues us into Berhalter's staff's plan for Ochoa in the long run, especially since he's so young. And then Jossie Zardes isn't included in the roster either. And I know, I know there's just so many striker options with Josh Sargent and Daryl DK and Jordan Siebichu and, you know, Timothy Weah can technically play striker, even though he, he'd probably feature on the wing. But Zardes is just so effective under Berhalter. He, ha- he was in Columbus. He has been in the USMN's national team. So I'm wondering if this kind of means he's going to be more of, a, uh, more of a significant player for the Gold Cup and not so much for Nations League and World Cup qualifying down the road. So I'm personally really interested to see what, what kind of shakes out for Zardes. Drew, as the other American on this podcast... Uh, did anything, I guess, you know, you mentioned David Ochoa, but was there anything else for you that stood out with the roster? I I didn't mention it. Maybe you want to talk about it, but this is like basically the, the full strength, like top picks roster. This has like Pulisic and McKinney and Eunice Musa and Tyler Adams. So what are your thoughts on this uh, roster released today for Nations League? Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, just given the injury situation that it feels like the U.S. is always in. Anytime you get to see these guys on the field together, it feels like a rarity. And so seeing the big names in the camp together and uh, playing games together or plan to play games together, we know injuries just don't seem to stop for the United States national team. Um, But yeah, that's always a big deal when these big names are coming together. But I think my biggest thing kind of goes back to your snub of Daryl DK, and you mentioned him a little bit, but I think this would be interesting for Josh Sargent because we haven't talked about him in a while, but there was that little stretch there where we were talking about him scoring pretty consistently, and we were talking like, oh, maybe this is the coming of life of Josh Sargent. I think Daryl DK was on a tear at the same time. So it was like, oh my gosh, the striker problem is not existent anymore. Josh Sargent scoring goals, Daryl DK scoring goals, and they kind of stopped. Um, and then obviously with the snub of Daryl DK not getting called in at all, I think this brings a good chance for Josh Sargent. Um, the forward list, yeah, like you mentioned, Tim Awea playing on the wing. Um, a lot of these guys do play on the wing. But yeah, I'm excited for Josh Sargent. I think he had that stretch going. We'll see if he can impress and get a national team camp because that's always the question when you talk about the United States is who's that number nine, who's that striker. And when... Daryl DK, who's been tearing it up as of late, doesn't get called in for whatever reason, um, opens the door for a lot of other guys, and maybe that'll open the door for Josh Sargent to impress. Connor, did you see the roster? Anything that's sticking out to you? You just ready to watch the United States lose or something? Like what what what's what's going on in your head? I looked I saw the roster earlier, but what sort of stands out to me is the fact that Kelly and Acosta, Sebastian Legette, and Jackson Ewell are all being called up in the middle of the MLS season. I'm surprised they got let go by their teams. Ochoa, too. Yeah. You can throw him under that list. I feel like, given though, like I've, Colorado probably shouldn't be. Uh, LA Galaxy haven't really used Legette. He's only played four games this season due to that suspension and fine he had for using the homophobic slur and the Instagram Live video. And Jackson Yule is very important to San Jose. So it's risk, a risky move from uh, those three clubs letting those guys go, but that's what really stood out to me is that there were MLS players included on this list uh, because I feel like it might have been a bit more beneficial for them to just use Europeans 
as opposed to tiring out their MLS talent? Well, it is important to note that MLS is going on break after this upcoming weekend. Like, we've got weekend of games, and then there's like two or three weeks off for MLS. So these Nations League games aren't really going to affect. Now, whether or not these guys play on the Gold Cup team, that's going to be something to watch out for because I do believe, depending on how far the U.S. goes in that tournament, you know, there will be some conflicts uh, with a lot of MLS players. So that'll be something to keep an eye out on. Either way, big moves for the U.S. Continue to make call-ups, continue to progress towards uh, trying to qualify for the World Cup, which is going to be challenging given the compact schedule over the next couple months. But yeah, seeing good signs with this roster from the Nations League. But let's dive into some MLS. Let's dive into some news, some transfers. And we got to start it off with Columbus Crew SC. Yes, they are now the crew again because their owners actually listen to their fans for what? The first time, second time in expansion team history after the Chicago Fire just royally screwed up their rear brand and fans lost their mind. Uh, what do you guys think about this entire Columbus crew situation? Was this the best outcome that we could have expected? Or would you have rather they have just completely gone back on everything? I mean, the crust still kind of sucks, but it's like better than it was. And like, you know, they still get the crew name, which is probably the most important part of it. But like, there's a simple lesson to be learned here between this and the Chicago Fire failure of a rebrand, and, you know, even the European Super League. Just freaking listen to your fans. Like, involve them in decision-making. Like, all these billionaire owners want to pretend like they have the only say in this club when, it, when they fail to realize that there are people putting the, the money in their pockets. So, like, if you don't want your fans to be pissed off at you, and you don't want your fans to to be this upset about things that you were keeping them in the dark on, then just don't keep them in the dark. It's that simple. And we're seeing some of this with the Premier League. They're starting to include supporters on councils for certain de- certain decisions being made, which hopefully MLS kind of adopts something similar because if I, I you know, I don't know how like the league hasn't learned from its mistake with Chicago. And if Montreal had been, even a little bit better than they were, then we probably would have seen some more pushback from their fans, but they're just not super relevant in their market, right? Am I wrong to say that? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they can't attend games and therefore can't have their opinions heard. That's fair. Um, Because they were quite vocal on social media when it first came out. We'll give them that. It's just they haven't had the opportunity to do stuff in person because pandemic. Yeah, so I just... Come on, like just people need to learn. These owners need to learn from other owners' mistakes and just give like tell your fans, include them in the process at least a little bit because, you know, yes, the fans kind of got the small victory with with the with the crew name. But like, again, like I said, the logo still kind of sucks and they probably would have never agreed to the logo in the first place. But maybe if you'd try to meet them halfway originally, there wouldn't have been all this uproar. Drew, what do you think? about this crew snafu, I guess is the best way to describe it. It's been like, what? Why are you guys giving me that look? That was anyway. good. That was clever. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, to the, that, yeah, I mean, I'm happy that the crew 
is back. The crest still has some pushback. And I was I was thinking about Columbus's, you know, competition, I guess, so to speak, in that market. When you think of the Columbus Blue Jackets in Ohio State football, so to speak. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't know what a Blue Jacket is. And a Buckeye is a freaking Blue Jacket nut. is a type of, like, Hornet thing. Okay, didn't know that. Wait, like a wasp? Yes. Have you did you have you never looked at their old logo? Why I, would you think two guys from Atlanta looked at an old Columbus Blue Jackets logo? That logo was in the NHL when you were Atlanta Thrashers were Dude, in the we NHL. We were like eight when the Thrashers were a team here. No, because I was like eight. So I was like eight. They, <laughs> they moved to Winnipeg in the early 2010s. I okay. earlier it was 2010, right? 2010. I think it was after that. But anyway, so whatever. We'll, ho- ho- we'll f- ignore hockey talk. <laughs> but when you know you think of these iconic teams, like let's take Ohio State for example, right? It's a Buckeye. It's a nut, but it's still iconic and has this like knowledge around it. Like when I hear the word Buckeye, I don't think of a nut anymore. I think of Ohio State football. It's because these teams have like built these brands and it's been consistent for so long. And I think MLS is trying to be that way, but there's always these rebrandings going on that I I find it hard to have a consistent identifier like with Barcelona's stripes. Like that's so iconic because it's been there for so long. And when you have you're changing logos all the time, it makes it hard to do that. And we're seeing it in America too. I mean, you have a Buckeye, and it's iconic with Ohio State football. You have whether weird traditions are there. Um, there are hedges on Sanford Stadium, and it's iconic because it's been there for a while. And you associate a hedge with Georgia football in the South or whatever. So the fans want consistent, iconic images, logos, traditions. And I think, I mean, in some senses, we're seeing that with, you know, Minnesota United and Wonderwall and Portland with the Timber Joey, and that stuff's cool, and other teams want that. But I think it's just organic, and you got to wait it out. Um, So credit for them bringing the crew back, save the crew again. The logo is still kind of getting some pushback, but nonetheless, the team's really good at soccer, and I guess that's the most important thing that matters. But, Connor, what do you think about the crew getting the name back and the logo staying kind of staying the same but i think they added the word crew to the bottom of it i think the logo still sucks but i think everybody agrees with that uh although i understand the rebrand having the crew back i think is big uh dropping that in the first place was unbelievably stupid so yeah i don't have much more to add to this entire situation that both of you haven't said um so yeah i it's good the crew are back. It's good that they listen to their fans. Uh, so teams should do that more often because more often than not, those fans, well, they make you your money. So it's probably best to listen to your consumers every once in a while. But what do I know? I'm just some 20-year-old kid. Moving on to another team that starts with a C, Chicago Fire announced a new club president, the first woman to be a club president in MLS history. Uh, Ishwara Glassman Shari, uh, Shrain? Shrain is what we're going with, I think. Yes? Okay. Uh, Ishwara Glassman Shrain. Uh, he, she is replacing Nelson Rodriguez, who's only going to deal with the business side of Chicago Fire, not the sporting side. 
How big do you guys think this is? Having our first female president in MLS and what do you think this sort of does for the future of MLS? Do you think this becomes a trend or do you think this is just sort of a one-off situation? Yeah, I'm going to try and keep it short here, um, but it's freaking awesome. Uh, hopefully it's not a one-off thing. Hopefully she kicks butt in Chicago. She um, is coming into a pretty iffy situation, um, but pulling for her, hope she kicks butt. Um, hopefully it doesn't become a one-off thing. You know, we've seen some... I think DC United, I forgot what role she is in, but they've hired, I might totally forgot her name. She came from Atlanta, but they've hired a woman to join their front office staff after being rumored linked with Jill Ellis. So uh, yeah, I think it's freaking awesome. Hopefully she kicks butt with Chicago and hopefully it's not a one-off thing. Hopefully she kicks butts, she kicks butt and inspires other teams to do the same. Yeah. I mean, I'm with Drew. Uh, Connor, you were mentioning like part of a trend and Hopefully this is a trend because of Lucy Rushton with DC, as she was mentioning from, from Atlanta United. And with that happening in, what, what was that, like a month and a half ago now that it's been? May is flying by. But hopefully with, with Rushton being announced as GM and now Shrain as president, this is opening the door for other women, not only in MLS, but just across sports um, in America, around the world, to continue to get really important positions because... Positions like this need diversity across gender and race and ethnicity and, and everything. So um, hopefully this is just a sign of progress that is, is constantly coming and hopefully coming even faster than, than, um, than before. So yeah, hopefully this is part of a larger trend and not just some small mini trend. Well said. I hope it continues on trend as well because um, we need more representation in high positions in sports. And having the first woman be a president in MLS, I think is huge. Um, So hopefully this isn't a one-off. But moving on to the LA Galaxy, uh, they signed defensive midfielder Rayon uh, Ravel... Wow, that's a Ravelosin. Ravelosin? I think it's just Ryan, by the way. Is it? I mean, you could... I don't know. Rayon? I don't know. We're just guessing, to be honest. This guy hasn't even played for them yet. Revelosen, okay. Uh, he's from League's Two side, Troyes. Troyes? Uh, I don't know if there's an accent on the E. But League Two side, he's a 24-year-old Madagascar international. Is he the first ever Madagascar? Just smile and wave, boys. Just smile and wave. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think he is because when someone, like when they reported or it was announced that he was signed, they mentioned that he's the second Madagascar international to play in MLS. I don't remember who the first is, and for some reason I didn't save the tweet that, that you know mentioned who the first was. So, unfortunately, I don't have the information in front of me, and there's no way I can track that tweet down now. But I don't believe he is the first, but... Cool to see either way, and the Galaxy need all the defensive help they can get. So That is a very, very true, uh, considering their back line sucks, even though this doesn't address their back line at all. Um, and is it Madagascar? What, what do you call a person from Madagascar? Is it Madagascarian? Madagascarite? Madagascan? Madagascan? <laughs> I don't know. It could, it could go really either really anyway it's like someone um i think it was sam jones at mls he was trying to figure out if, is it cincinnatian is it a cincinnatiite like he he didn't know what to call 
people <laughs> who live in Cincinnati. So this is definitely the same thing. Drew, what is it? Malagasy. Oh, okay. Malagasy. The people, the culture, and other objects from Madagascar have been named and called Malagasy by the Malagasy by the natives. Okay. Hmm. Nice. Well, you learn right, something new every know. day. <laughs> Let's move on to more women's sports. Uh, I guess women in sport because the Houston Dash along with the Houston Dynamo are being purchased by New York businessman Ted Segal, um, who's reached an agreement to purchase both of them uh, from controlling owner Gabriel Brenner for reportedly $400 million. Uh, we don't really know if this will affect minority owners uh, like James Harden or Oscar De La Hoya. I wouldn't be surprised to see this affect James Harden because considering he's no longer in Houston. Um, but He loves Houston, though. I think he's going to keep that stake. Maybe. Who knows? Because uh, we haven't really heard much about it. It's just sort of been the agreement has been announced. Uh, but this is what? The third team? Second or third team that's been purchased in the last, like, three weeks sort of thing? Orlando was earlier, which is also interesting because yeah. it's also involving an NWSL team. Who's wasn't there wasn't there another one recently? Who was it? Am I blanking? Well, RSL is still up for sale. Right. Because they're a tire fire. Um Oh man. I feel like there was another one this year. Oh well. Well, there was the Washington Spirit with Alexander Ovechkin. But Yeah, that's not that's not full ownership like this though. No, yeah. By the way, I just want to point out that I mean First of all, this isn't really official yet. It's only been reported on, which is why it broke for like one day last week and there hasn't been a lot of follow-up news on it. But the person who broke the news, I think he writes for SportsBiz. Um, I, I like looked at the quote, te- quote tweets on his tweet and oh my gosh, every single tweet was, thank God, oh my God, finally. Like people were overjoyed that this guy, Gabriel Brenner, was giving up his franchise. And I mean, I can't blame them because Houston is a hotbed for soccer, right? You're really close to the Mexican border. You've got a large Hispanic population that, you know, they're, you know, they've been really bad about reaching out to. Like it is well documented that Houston Dynamo have done a poor job of marketing themselves to the demographics in their city. And so this is a, a franchise with tons of potential. They haven't made any big-name signings in the last few years, and all the best signings they've made have now moved on. Albert Elise and uh, not Memo Rodriguez. Who's the other one? Arnold Minotas. I mean, he's gone now too. So all their best players in the last couple of years. And you know what? They're not bad either. We'll probably get into them a little bit later. Tab Ramos is doing a good job with them. But but like hopefully, and I'm, I see a lot of skepticism from their fans, and I, don't, I can't blame them. But hopefully Segal like pumps some money into this team and makes some really smart hires. And because again, I mean, there's so much potential sitting there in Houston. And they they could really take off with this thing under the right ownership. And hopefully that's what this is. All right, Drew, you have any thoughts on Houston Dynamo and Dash's takeover? Um, not anything that Josh didn't say, except that I hope that uh, Ted over here. Um, because the NWSL is exploding, and I think the Dash are a massive part of this conversation. So I hope he enjoys the fruits of his labor from the NWSL team, and that sparks some people realizing that there is money to be made 
in the NWSL and women's sports and get some other owners investing, get some expansion going on the league as three of us are currently waiting for teams in Canada and Atlanta. So hopefully this purchase gets some money flow in. Well, it shows that there is money in the league and reveals it to other people with a lot of money. Because like we said, a lot of people with a lot of money have been investing in this league. And um, it's a very smart investment. So hopefully this will just keep it going, get some expansion, get some more money pumping into the league. And hopefully they continue to buy Canadian talent because that is Canada light. Uh, The Houston Dash. Yeah, because they have... uh, Sophie Sophie Schmidt's on there. Which, is it Alicia Chapman or is it... um, What's her name? Diana Matheson. One of the two fullbacks. That's a great question. Um, They have a lot of Canadian players. Yeah, they have a lot of Canadian players is the bottom line there. So hopefully it continues to put money into the NWSL because we want to see women's soccer and women's sports continue to get better and continue to uh, benefit these female athletes who deserve their due and deserve to have the same salaries and everything like that as the men uh, in soccer. But let's shift, continue shifting to New York City FC. There's a lot of news this week. Uh, and by this week, I mean these basically past couple weeks. Uh, but they've officially signed 18-year-old Brazilian forward Talis Magno uh, from Vasco da Gama. I believe it was an $8 million purchase. Uh, he's valued at like over 11, I think, or around 11. Uh, so they got him at a discount because of the pandemic. But what do you guys think about MLS clubs continuing to sign these young Brazilian players? Because he's what, the third young player to come from Brazil on top of Brenner and Jefferson Sotaldo? Yeah, I think it's an exciting time. I think we've talked about it a little bit, but it seemed that Brazilian clubs were being harder by the pandemic than other countries. And I think Major League Soccer and its owners who don't seem to be that struggling for wealth might be a way to put it, um, are able to purchase some players from Brazil. And it's really exciting new relationship, I think, Personally, maybe this is just my Elaine United lens coming on, but I feel like I'm all, I always associate Major League Soccer with buying players from Argentina, you know, as you go Barco, Santiago Sosa, Amaran. Um, that's kind of just what I assume. I think Sebastian Blanco, Diego Valeri going to Portland are from Argentine clubs and um, so on and so on. So I just automatically assume MLS, when you're when you mention South American players, you assume it's from Argentina. And I think this Brazilian relationship is something really interesting. Um, the clubs there are really good. I think a Brazilian club just won Copa Libertadores, the most recent one. Um, so the clubs there are good, some of the best soccer in the world. And, yeah, it's an exciting partnership. Excited for NYCFC because we talked about them losing a lot and having a lot of money in a lot of international spots. And lately when we've been talking about them, it's about them acquiring players. So it looks like finally – all that talk of the club losing players is coming to fruition because they're acquiring a lot of young, exciting talent. And so exciting times for NYCFC and exciting times, as it looks like, like Connor said, uh, with Soteldo and Brenner, it looks like this is kind of forging a new relationship. Josh, anything stick out to you about this NYCFC signing or just MLS and Brazil's relationship? I just hope all this Brazilian talent pans out. It's just so untapped and really, and it's been written about a lot, you know, take your pick of, of articles of journalists that have uh, written on the topic, but the pandemic is the real reason that MLS has finally been able to get these Brazilian players because usually um, 
they are unaffordable. So hopefully these MLS clubs are making the right decisions in the players they're picking up. Uh, because if these guys bust, then it's going to be hard to get Brazilian talent going forward. It's going to be hard for Brazilian talent to want to come to MLS. So, yeah, I mean, just just for the sake of the league on its own, like I'm really hoping that these guys pan out um, and and really, really produce for these teams. So that's that's pretty much my thoughts on it. And speaking, as Drew was saying, of Argentinian talent, Minnesota United signed another Argentinian uh, after signing Abila in the offseason. They signed Argentine winger Franco Frajapane. Frajapane. Uh, Frajapane. Frajapane. Uh, There's no tilde over the end. Okay. I don't know what that is. Uh, but line. they signed him. Okay. They signed him to a four year contract. Josh, you know more about him. Clearly, then I do. <laughs> well, I know nothing, so you have you obviously know more than if, I do. So, if knowing more what than you know him than you do is only because I am I can speak some Spanish and therefore I know how to pronounce his name, then I mean I guess that's all I got. that's all I got over you. Um, no, I mean I don't know. Like this, it's it's cool that um, Minnesota United are like making these kinds of signings, like you said with. Um, you got Reynoso last year. You've got Avila coming in this year, and he's already uh, made his presence felt a little bit. I mean, yeah. I mean, Frahapane, I, I don't know much about him, but just from looking at you know his age, for example, he's 28. So this is a guy that's in his prime, and really all he's done is is play down in Argentina just from looking at uh, the teams he's played for, and I think some Brazilian clubs. I don't know a lot of these clubs off the top of my head, but um, even a little bit of... Um, of some time in Spain as well. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, these are guys that are in their prime. Hopefully Minnesota are, again, they're identifying really strong talent for the team because they need it. Cause they are, <laughs> it's not that they're bad or anything, but like they're so behind everybody else right now from their slow start to the season that hopefully Frahapane can make an immediate impact because they really need him to. Also, I think it's worth noting that they signed him to a four year contract. So it's just really interesting to see them, uh, really commit long term to this, and uh, but yeah, Adrian Heath better figure out how to use these guys, or else he's not going to be around for much longer. Um, especially if these do end up being really good players. Drew, do you have anything to add on uh, Franco Frappone? You're giving Adrian Heath the underdog ammunition he needs. Josh, oh, top it, please. <laughs> he's listening to the podcast, <laughs> like taking <laughs> clippets from the podcast, like oh yes, Josh is writing me off again. <laughs> um, but no. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Minnesota needs help. But yeah, like you said, this is a four-year deal. So this doesn't seem like just a, oh, crap, get us to the playoffs. Um, but this seems like a long-term investment. So I'm excited about it. Um, kind of, Connor, do you have anything about it? Or should I talk about my one of my favorite teams? Uh, I just want to say it's interesting they're continuing to build that Argentinian connection between Reynoso, Abila, and now Franco who I'm going to call Franco from now on because I probably won't be able to figure out the pronunciation of this guy's last name. Yeah, yeah, there's no Francos. Uh, there are no other Francos in the league or anything. Like, you're fine. No, we're fine. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll take this because I have a funny joke. New England, sign Carles the Fish Heel uh, to a contract extension. I was going to start calling him the fish. Because he is a fish. Gil is a fish. Come on. 
Caramelize the fish heel to a contract extension through 2024 as we continue to disrespect the probably best player in MLS so far this season. But, Drew, this is your fourth favorite team right now behind Nashville, Atlanta, Vancouver, and now New England. Since he's wearing the kit, I think it has to be immediately bumped up to second. It can't take... Nashville because like he's in Nashville basically so they're gonna they're at two right now his second favorite team all right so you're sitting at number two what are your thoughts on the signing of your best your second favorite team's (laughs) best player to a contract extension through 2024 he's like that guy when like you meet someone you're introducing like this is my girlfriend's brother's nephew's roommate or something like that that's what this that's what carly seal is to me um it's so cool man he's so freaking good and see new england man i hope they win mls cup eventually those fans have been through the ringer so hopefully seeing him stay in new england because like you said you you had a hot take there saying he might be the best player in the league so far but he's up there for sure so to see him tear it up after he got called a fish on twitter by josh over here um pretty (laughs) phenomenal and now he's currently leading the east and leading my fantasy team charge so i'm all for it josh what do you think about the finding nemo fish tearing up mls and staying here for a couple more years yeah, I mean, good on New England. Uh, I think I saw in his little press release that he's talking about his desire to bring an MLS Cup to New England. So, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that's all in on the team. And he this is another guy that's still in his prime. Um, easy to forget that he won Newcomer of the Year just two years ago, uh, right before the pandemic. So, really top-notch player. And, uh, you know, happy happy for my fans in New England. My My... My loves in the in in the New England area getting their favorite player wrapped up for the next uh, three years now. So good for them. When we were talking about him being the potentially best player in MLS so far this season, you shook your head, Mister Boland. Yeah, because it's wrong. Who is right then? I would at least put Chicharito, Christian Roldan over him, just off the top of my head. At least those two players. Why are you giving me wide eyes, okay? Chicharito, one, is on a tear. Two, Christian Roldan is the best player on the best team in MLS. and uh, That one I wasn't disagreeing with. It was the Chicharito one I was because he's... Did he score this past weekend? Uh, No, but they went down a man because Derek Williams is a madman and took out Andy Polo. He took that personally. Yeah, so I wouldn't put too much stock in that. What did you guys think of that challenge, by the way? Uh, it was atrocious. It was so <laughs> the, the tweet made it fine. Wait, what tweet are you referencing? Are you talking about Eric Williamson? I think, didn't he tweet out the Michael Jordan, I took that personally thing after he got sent off? No, that was Williamson, and that was the week before, after he, ah, that was man. him calling out Jason Christ, which was also oh, he's had a he's had an eventful week. Yeah. Do you I've think he should podcast. be suspended for that? Oh, yeah, and, I, and I mean, he will get suspended. There's no way he's not. I mean, he just, like, I mean, I feel bad because, like, there's no way he was doing it on purpose. Like, this first. It was total accident. Yeah, I mean, yeah. F- first of all, Derek Williams, I think he's new to LA Galaxy this year. Um, I don't remember seeing his name at all last year. And so. Was he on Portland? No, that's Eric Williamson. Eric Williamson. Okay. Different, different player. Yeah, I'm sorry, I think, guys. I was going to say, I think Drew is getting these two guys mixed up. Um, Derek Williams, which I'm now realizing their names are extremely similar, because the way I see them in the yeah. in my head, they don't look the same. But now that I'm hearing them out loud back to back, like yeah, that's confusing. 
um, Galaxy Williams. Um, yeah, he just it wasn't on purpose, but it was so bad. And the fact that he also injured Polo, like it just, I feel bad for him because like I bet he feels really bad. Like I'm sure he knows. Like as soon as it happened, like he made a huge mistake. Um, but yeah, it was just a really bad tackle, man. I would be surprised if it was anything less than two games, but I think it should be at least three. Wouldn't be surprised if it's up to five, honestly. Wow. Well, it's automatically one because of the red card. Correct. So we will not see him until July at the earliest because of the break in MLS. Wow. It's a long layoff. It's a long layoff. Um, but it was a brutal ta- tackle and a very, 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 very deserved red card. Um, but let's dive into this past couple of weeks of action. And before we did this, uh, we're trying out a bit of a new format for our middle section, even though we're 69 minutes into the episode. Nice. Um, yep. <laughs> so <laughs> basically I've come up with a few questions for a bunch of teams. I'm going to ask you guys these questions. You're going to talk and I'm going to either nod my head in approval shake my head in disappointment, or yell at you, which I feel like it's probably going to mostly be number one and number three. So let's start off with everybody's favorite team, the underdogs of MLS, Minnesota United. Were we too early to judge them? They're 12th in the West, but they've won two in a row against Vancouver and Dallas. So my question is it too early to judge them? Were we too early to judge them? And what do you think the outlook is for them for the rest of the season? Um, I still think they're they're screwed. I just don't think. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think um, they can come back from this. It's just such a deep hole. Um, they did beat Vancouver, but it took until like the seventy fifth minute, I think. And then it took until the 94th minute in stoppage time to beat Dallas. Um, and both of those were home games. So, like, you got to think, like, you know, it helped to have the crowd behind them. But what's going to happen when they get on the road? Which I don't want to give it away, but their game this weekend is really exciting. And I just realized who they were playing this weekend. And I was about to put it as my game of the week. And then I scrolled down and saw it. Drew already stole it and put, like, the best. <laughs> he put, like, the best. Um, description in the in the google doc so props to you drew for getting that one for figuring that out before the rest of us but yeah i i still think i still think minnesota are in trouble and i just don't see how, how they can come back from just that that just huge hole from the beginning of the season i mean it took them forever they were the last team to even get any points this season and yeah it helps to get two wins but this i, I don't want to call this weekend's game a must win but i don't know like that's that's huge, and they've been, they're going to have gone two weeks without playing, and then they're going to go another four weeks without playing after that, three weeks for, without playing after that. So definitely something to keep an eye on. I, I don't think it was too early to judge them. I don't think it's possible for them to come back. Um, unless, like, Abila and Franco Frahapane become, like, the best, like, signings we've ever seen in this league or somewhere up there. But, yeah, I, I just think they're in trouble. Drew, do you think it's too early? Do you think they're way too far behind? Do you think this is a good sign for them? Is it comeback season for Minnesota United, for the Loons? I don't, I'm not fully sold on it just because, like you said, the must-win thing, it feels really hard to put on it. But 
I think I saw a stat that they need something like 1.67 or something like that points per game on average by the rest of the season to make the playoffs. And that's just really hard to do. I think we talked about it, that no one's ever done it, with the exception of Miami making the weird playoffs that weren't the playoffs. Um, so I don't know. They're going to have to get in a much bit better stretch for me to be sold on them again. Um, because they have a lot of ground to cover up, and it's going to be a lot longer than what they've won two games in a row. It's going to take a lot more than winning two games in a row for me to be sold on them that they're they're able to make up that ground. All right, that's I guess Minnesota United out of the way. Uh, clearly, you two are very low on them, which, frankly, don't disagree with you. Uh, but next team, I'm curious to see whether or not you're as high on them as they are in the standings, and that is Orlando City. They're currently second in the East, undefeated, have not lost a game so far this season. Uh, the teams they've played this so far, though, are TFC, DC, Cincy, uh, which is Cincinnati, Sporting KC, Chicago, Philadelphia, and Columbus. Are Orlando City for real? Uh, I want Drew to talk mostly about this because he's the one who brought it up in the Slack last week that we like haven't really talked a lot about Orlando this year. And I mean, he's got a good point. The fact that they're undefeated um, and they're they're doing so well, but they're really flying under the radar. And this is why they're flying under the radar. It's because they're really not that good. Um, that being said, they're doing an excellent job at getting results, which good. That that's really really impressive in its own way. So. Even though they're not firing on all cylinders because they still haven't had uh, Alexandra Pate in there, DK hasn't come back yet, which I do think he will be back at least for a little bit. Assuming he ends up getting a transfer to a, a European team, it's going to be you know, a few weeks before that happens, and he's probably already on his way back now that Barnsley are knocked out of the championship promotional playoffs. So... If DK comes back, I think we're going to have to really watch out for Orlando City because I think he's going to be a, a player that can really push them over the top. But right now, they've just been grinding out these results, which, like I said, impressive in its own way, but like on a surface level, not impressive because they've been kind of... I, I don't know how to say it without cussing, so I won't. But they've been like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're just like grinding out these results, so good for them, but I'm... I am not someone that's impressed, and I'm not convinced that they're for real just yet, although they're setting themselves up for a really strong second half of the season. Drew, you're the one who wanted to talk about Orlando City, Mr. Nashville Atlanta fan. I mean, that's kind of weird, I guess, in that sense. But, <laughs> but yeah, give us give us the load on our Orlando, Drew. Why are they for real? Why, why should we be talking about them, huh? Because they haven't lost a game, man. I mean, they're three unbeaten teams, right, in MLS. Seattle, Hold on, wait a second. Okay, I just saw your reply to me. How long were you working on this meme, dude? <laughs> the entire time you guys were talking, I was on my phone. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, I was about to say, you, you must have just been. I mean, excellent meme, but oh, my God. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. But, yeah, okay, so everyone go check out my Twitter for that I meme. need to open Twitter, don't I? Okay. Um, but while he's doing that, Orlando City, yeah, man, they're unbeaten. Like, you talk about how to win MLS Cup, right? Seattle has been the masters of it. Uh, make the playoffs, get in at the right time, and see what happens, right? And in this regular season, all you need, especially this early on, all you need is points, man. All you need is points, stay high, stay up. <laughs> And then, and then maybe if they get hot, 
they can make a run to MLS Cup. <laughs> I just saw your tweet. <laughs> so I'm super excited about Orlando, man. When you talk about unbeatens, everyone's talking about Seattle and um, Nashville and Orlando are flying under the radar. So, man, props to them, right? They're second in the East behind the fish-led squad of the New England Revolution. <laughs> so we'll see what happens, man. I'm excited about it. They're flying under the radar, and I think they're just just fine with doing that. Why hasn't DK come back yet? Because they just finished playing their second leg of the promotional playoff like a couple days ago. Yes, but why didn't he immediately come back to play in this weekend's games? Are you kidding me? Jet lag. Uh, they probably were like, hey, you, you, you deserve a little bit of a break now that you've been playing for a year and a half. Well, not a full year and a half. He's about to get three weeks off. I mean, well, then maybe we'll see him this week. I need to see now. Is Orlando even playing Well, no, because you just said he's on the trip to Switzerland, right? Or to play against Switzerland. No, he, yes. But that's, oh, yeah. So maybe he's not even coming back at all. Interesting. Huh. Okay. Well, then, in that case, I don't know why he's not coming back. Maybe they're just, maybe that's why they were like, you know what? He's going with the national team and we're going to have this break. Let's just go ahead and wait until after if he's not sold by then. I wonder if his loan doesn't expire until after this weekend and they had it expire during the break. Of MLS play. Yeah, you know, I might have seen somewhere June 1st was the expiration, in which case he can't play on Saturday that would against make Red sense. Bulls. So, yeah, that's that's probably what it is. So, who knows? Maybe he'll uh, make his re-debut, I guess we can call it, against Toronto on June 19th. Um, but if not, speaking of, I'm assuming you watched that game, Connor, between Orlando and Toronto? Yeah. What, what were your thoughts? I mean, you got to see Orlando firsthand. Obviously, you were probably frustrated that Toronto couldn't do anything against them, but... How'd they look to you then? Toronto had a lot of chances. They just couldn't finish any of them. And Orlando didn't seem that special to me. Like, it was an Omar Gonzalez mistake that allowed them to score their goal. Um, I don't think they're second in the East good, though. Like, I don't expect them to have that good a second half of the season. Um, When you look at the standings and, like, I listed teams that, they played in preseason, I think, because they've only played six games uh, so far. So we'll see what they do. You know, they've had a week, they've played a week less or one less game than New England and Philadelphia. So they theoretically could go to first if they win their game in hand. But it's tough with Orlando. Uh, getting DK back, if they do get him back, will be big, obviously. He's a very good player. But. I don't know. Pedro, Pedro Galesi saved them a few times in that Toronto game. And I guess that's what good goalkeepers do. But let's move on to the team I just mentioned. New top of the East, England. Uh, and I want to get first the New England fanboy and then the New England subtweeted. Um, you can just go ahead and call me a New England hater. I'll embrace it. All right, New England hater. Uh, your thoughts on their performances so far this season. But right now, as I just mentioned, they're two points up on Orlando, but they've played one more game. Uh, so actually, we'll start with Drew because New England's only loss is to Drew's Nashville SC. So Drew, what do you think about 
New England's performance to start the season? And do you think that they could continue in this form and top the league? I think they can top this form first off because of Carly's heel. Phenomenal. He's a game changer, which is why they signed him to a contract extension. So I am just repeating my very high on New England. I just realized I didn't pack the frame tweet, so I'm very disappointed about that. I got the jersey, but not the tweet. Um, but yeah, I think been talking about, okay, let's talk about their one loss right to Nashville. I think that's just the Nashville's freaking good, too. So I think that is a solid late playoff matchup, and I think those two teams will meet again. But yeah, New England, I think they're for real. I was pretty high on them in the first place. Um, again, they're going to go through spurts and kind of rough times along the way but leading the east right now so far um setting themselves up good to survive those spurts that's how i view this beginning of the season is that if you have a strong start to the season like seattle nashville orlando new england etc um whenever those bumpy roads do come along through the summer and on congested schedules your strong start is going to be able to help you survive that and stay in a solid playoff position maybe get a bye or get to host the playoff game so New England setting themselves up really well to survive some stutters, maybe some injuries, whatever. Um, and we saw in the playoffs last year, they got hot at the right time and gave Columbus all they could handle in that conference final before they went on and beat Seattle pretty single-handedly. Um, yeah, New England's for real. I think everyone was excited about them given what they saw last year, and they're starting off on a really good foot and kind of proving that those people were correct. Now, on the back of Drew saying they're correct – uh, Josh, do you regret the tweets? Not one bit. I still don't think they're a top three team in the East. That was my whole gripe with the with with people predicting them as high as they were. I do fully agree with Drew that we could see New England Nashville late in the playoffs because I think the way these two teams are set up is they perform excellently in the playoffs, and we saw it last year. I mean, they both. Um, I mean, what, they both made it to the, the conference semifinals in the East. So, yeah, I mean, they're doing well, and they have the third-best player in the league in Carlos Hill, and, you know, they're getting the job done. I still don't think they're going to end up finishing top three. I think they're going to have to contend with Orlando City down the stretch and New York City FC, and, ah, you know, crap. I don't know. Maybe I need to amend my take on it. No, I am standing firm in my take. <laughs> we almost got him, New, Drew. We almost <laughs> got him. New England is not a top three team in the East, no matter how terrible the Columbus crew are. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're still a really good team. And like I've said that from the get-go. Like my, my argument wasn't that they were a bad team. It's just I didn't understand why they were picked as a top three team. Um, that being said, yeah, they'll probably prove me wrong. But you know what? They're doing oh Philadelphia yeah yeah okay I'm still confident in my pick New England not a top three team um, but yeah no they're getting the job done four and zero at home is the huge thing because the recipe for success in MLS is win all your home games get results in about half your away games mostly wins obviously but then you're set up like guaranteed playoffs definitely a, a decent spot in terms of seating and they're they're doing that they're getting the job done they're taking care of business so. Um, yeah, still not a top three team, but a good team nonetheless. All right. Well, let's shift to two teams who are surprisingly doing pretty well uh, in Houston slash Colorado. I combine them because they're fourth and fifth, respectively, in the West. 
are Houston and Colorado good? Question mark. I think it's still a little early to to definitively say whether or not these teams are good. I think they're off to respectable starts. Um, and like I was just mentioning with New England taking care of business at home, same deal for Houston. They haven't lost a home game yet. They're 3-0-1, oh, which, is that right in the table that the last one is draws? I can't tell. Uh, yes. Oh, wait, it's right. I think so. Uh, yeah, uh, middle, middle. Oh, crap. Okay, so Houston has lost a home game. But you know what? I can apply that to the Rapids. The Rapids have not lost a home game. They've won twice and drawn. So the, the Rapids are taking care of business at home. Um, Houston, in the meanwhile, like they're getting respectable results. You know, They had that 1-1 draw against LAFC a couple weeks ago. Um, I can't remember. Oh, they ended up drawing against RSL. This, no, that was Dallas. Who did Houston play this past week? i got to take off this filter here um they didn't play this past weekend that's why i can't remember what they did anyway houston's off to a really good start um but yeah i think it's just too early to tell how these teams are going to do in the long run but what they are doing oh sorry they beat the white caps at home okay there it is they won two one at home um but what they are doing is they're setting themselves up for a possible playoff run in the end of the season it's just going to be interesting to see what these two teams do in the summer right because when we come back from the gold cup break it's, there's always this like summer slog in MLS, and it really can make or break teams this season. So if Houston and Colorado can survive the summer, I mean, like I said, they've set themselves up well here in the early part of the season. So not definitively can say they're, that they're good, but they're getting respectable results, and that's all you can really ask for at this stage in the season. True. Houston-Colorado, do you think they're good? Are you convinced by their results? I mean, like I said, I, I think it's kind of wait and see with them, but... Yeah, I think we're on the same page as far as that goes. Um, good. I'm not quite there yet. Better, I will say, I'll give it to Houston. They're better than I think pretty much everyone thought they were going to be. Um, I think I had them pick last in the West, and this star is very not going to finish last in the West. Um, Colorado, I think this is about respectable. I think people had them kind of as a bubble team. It's a good start for them. Houston, I'm a little more... Surprise for them. Um, this is leaps and bounds better than I expected. A lot of people expected. But am I on the board to say that they're good yet? I don't know, but they're better than I picked or a lot of people picked at the start of the season. So good on them. Houston, a lot of news surrounding them. Um, a lot of people doubted them. A lot of people doubted RSL. And those two teams making making a name for themselves. While other teams perform not as good as people thought they did. So good on, good on Houston for kind of showing us up there. All right, and we'll shift uh, to our penultimate team, LAFC. They're a team that a lot of people expected to do very, very well this season, but they are currently ninth in the West. Uh, Their latest result was a 2-1 win over Colorado. Uh, They've got two wins, two losses, two draws. Vela is finally back. He started against Colorado, but... When do you think LAFC should start hitting the panic button? Because this team should not be in ninth. They're too good to be in ninth place. So do you think it's at a point where you need to start panicking if you're an LAFC supporter? Or do you think you need to give it a bit more time to let this team get back to full health with Carlos Vela, who is the MVP of MLS? I think, um, you know, when you think about this team... 
there are I'm not panicking in the sense of making the playoffs and perhaps making an MLS Cup run, but I am panicking. I think I've given up on all hopes for the Shield. I think people expected leaps and bounds out of this team to do the double, uh, win Supporter Shield, and then go on to win MLS Cup. And this, when you're talking about the Shield, it's right this long, continuous race of games that you got to do. And this is not a strong start to the season. So as far as winning the Shield is concerned. I think I've already pushed the panic button, but I am not the biggest Shield enthusiast in the world. Um, I am much more of an MLS Cup enthusiast, so, I mean, to me, at the end of the day, if you win the Cup, it's a great season. Um, They've been on the side of winning the Shield and not winning the Cup, so if they get hot the right time, which we know they can do, they could go on and win the Cup. Um, So, I don't think LAFC fans should be panicked, but I think they should give up on this dynasty dream boy season of winning the double, maybe making an Open Cup run. Um, I haven't heard much about the Open Cup with all the new changes to it. Um, But I've given up on the domestic double shield and cup season that a lot of people expected. But I'm not pushing the panic button because I think they they can for sure win MLS Cup. We put Carlos Vale on the field. No one knows what he can do. Um, So I'm not panicking yet, but I am giving up on the shield talk. Josh, what do you think about LAFC's start? Have you given up on their shield hopes, or what do you think about LA's slow start to the season after a lot of expectations were put on the start of the season? Yeah, you know, kind of like what we talked about, uh, maybe it was last episode, but I'm wondering if LAFC is really just trying to kind of gear themselves up for the playoffs, um, and therefore, like, you know, that's why they've had such a slow start. They've obviously been really cautious with Vela, and it's good to see him back. Um, and they really kind of looked like their old selves against Colorado this past weekend. Rossi scored twice, and uh, Vela assisted on one of those. So I, I don't think it's I don't think anybody needs to be panicking about them. And like I said, I if I'm LAFC at this point, I think you should be pushing for at least a home playoff game, as many home playoff games as you can get, obviously. But at the same time, like you can tell they're sort of planning for the long term. They've already gotten a shield. Um, like you said, who knows what's going to happen with the Open Cup. They've come really close to winning a Champions League. So it's very clear, I think, now that MLS Cup is the main target, and they're just sort of planning long term for that. And I, I really do believe that that's what has um, attributed to their slow start to the season. And injuries, of course. I mean, injuries have been a, a big factor for them, too. So we've yet to see a fully full-strength, top-of-the-line LAFC team. Uh, and I have a feeling we won't get to see that at all this season due to the compact schedule, but who knows? Maybe they'll get very lucky. But let's wrap it up with the best team in MLS. Scratch that. The worst team in MLS, FC Cincinnati. Where do I even start with this Their team? Their stadium's they are... sick. That's where you start with them. And then you followed it up with the fact that they just got their first win of the season, baby. MLS Cup champs incoming Cincinnati. (laughs) All right. So, as the boys just mentioned, first win of the season this past weekend against Montreal. Um, They also opened their new stadium. That's where the wind column ends. Um, Basically, they're currently the worst goal differential team in MLS, which is abysmal, uh, and they are last in the East. So my question for you guys is, and I've given your answers already in the doc, is Jeff Cameron the answer for FC Cincinnati? Before I give you the answer about Jeff Cameron and whether or not he is the answer, I think it is worth pointing out 
that Cincinnati's points per game is 0.8 and Toronto's points per game is 0.83. So Yes, well Cincinnati has been fully healthy and playing in their home stadiums. Oh, without well, having to play in Champions League. They've only had one home game this year and that was unfortunate because they got Breck Shade, but <laughs> um, is Jeff Cameron the answer? You know what? To be fair to him, as old as he is, and he is probably washed up at this point, he's only played two games. Um, he did have a catastrophic error in the game against Montreal where he like, literally just let Georgi Mihailovic like, walk past him. Like, I could not believe that clip. I, I don't know if either of you guys saw it, but it is, I mean, dude, like, that's the kind of play that, like, so first of all, I don't play def- def- uh, defender a lot when I play pickup, but that is the kind of mistake I would make if I was stuck playing defender in pickup. I would just let a guy <laughs> run past me. And I'm, my point is I suck, and Jeff Cameron should not be making the same mistakes as, as me in a pickup game. So, yeah, I, I mean, so far, based on the early returns, no, Jeff Cameron is not the answer. But to be quite honest with you, I don't know that he has to be the answer I think what we need to look at is whether or not their attacking pieces are going to shoulder some of the, the weight here because Luciano Costa hasn't done much. Brenner hasn't done much of anything yet. I mean, they both scored in that first game against Nashville, and that's great, but like Nashville's defense kind of sucked the first two weeks, and they haven't conceded a goal since then. And so I think you can kind of chop that up to a fluke for Cincinnati. And neither of those guys have, have gotten on the score sheet since then. If I might be incorrect about that but no because Lucadia scored and then that center back whose name I don't know how to pronounce yet Valencius Valencius um so yeah I mean like those guys need to start shouldering their weight there's a reason why they are being paid so much salary right we covered that in last week's episode so if they even play up to their their you know supposed monetary value in terms of transfer fees and salaries then Cincinnati can at least maybe fight for the playoffs their games are going to be ugly as crap. We're going to get a lot of more games like we saw against Inter-Miami, but at least they're doing something, you know? And I do think it's worth pointing out that they are at least showing effort, and I'm, I do believe that their new stadium is, has kind of boosted their spirits. Uh, whether or not that's sustainable, probably not. Defense is crap, but we'll see. Drew, do you think Jeff Cameron is the answer? I mean, I have a feeling you probably... <laughs> You probably don't. How would you fix them? I, I guess my fix is just attacking players need to produce more, but what was your fix for them? Well, the natural answer would be spend money on attacking players, but guess what? They spend more money than anyone else in the league. So how you fix them? I think you're, I mean, it's it's all Brenner and Acosta, right? That is the big question mark. That's why people were kind of excited about Cincinnati, I think, coming into the season, given that they were... Had, they struggled the last uh, couple seasons in MLS, and there were some signs of life there. Uh, this looked like it was going to be a really good season for the team, the new stadium, spending a lot of money on players, and it just hasn't lived up to the hype. And then you got you add on the you know the release that came out saying that they spent more money than anyone else in the league, and that just adds on to the kind of pressure to win. I think from the front office that now everyone knows we're spending a lot of money. It's not producing. Does that fall on the manager's shoulders well they've had multiple managers that hasn't worked out is it fall on the front office shoulders well the front office is doing all they can it's not working so it's 
I mean, it has to fall on the attacking players, right? I mean, the defense, I feel like when I talk about Cincinnati's defense, I can't just talk about one player because it's such a picture, long, wide problem, I think. Um, but when you talk about the attack, I think you can narrow it down to Brenner and Lucha Acosta. And at the start of the season, it looked like they were going to produce. I think Lucha scored twice against Nashville, and that was the first game of the season. And Nashville had that incredible defense last year. So it was like, oh, Cincinnati's breaking through one of the best defenses in the league. This is going to be an exciting season, and it's just falling apart while Nashville's defense has returned to normal Nashville State. They've gone, like, some crazy amount without conceding a goal. So how do you fix them? Lucha and Brenner got to get cooking. Um, exciting start, but it hasn't been the best finish. It looked pretty exciting um, on national TV, new stadium, making the comeback, but it did not work out. So how do you fix them? No one really knows because it's been for a couple years and no one has been able to do it. But I think you're right. It just comes down to Brenner and Lucha Acosta getting things together. All right. And bouncing off that, Josh, how do you fix Cincinnati? I already answered that. Did you? Yeah. I didn't even ask. I didn't even ask that question. Yeah, well, I accidentally jumped ahead in the dock, okay? Well, my answer, I guess, I can, I can go over it again. It's no big deal. Their attackers just need to do more. That's my fix for them. I think that's what they need to do. I mean, yeah, their defense is bad, and I'm not sure that there's anything more for them to fix with that. Uh, they did switch to a back five this weekend, which could potentially mitigate some of their horrendous defending, but like at the same time, it's not going to completely fix it. So yeah, their attackers just needed to do more. Like I said, give me four, three wins. Give me three, two wins. They just need the points. It doesn't have to be pretty. They just need the freaking points at this point. I gave you a second chance, and you didn't take it to roast Yop Stam. I don't. I I don't need to keep going in on the guy. All right, like we know how I feel about Dutch managers, and <laughs> I still don't think he's gonna like you know solve all their problems which ironic by the way dude's a defender and you've got like the worst defense in the league like what's that all about um so so i you know yeah you know i don't feel like i don't feel like you know what the dude gotta win all right props to him i'll I'll give him a break this week all right well congratulations yap josh doesn't tear into you this week (laughs) uh i'm really not looking forward to your next week because you're playing new england and that's Yo, not going to be pretty. If Cincinnati beats New England, I'm not sure under the podcast if that happens. <laughs> this is this is conflicting against my my narratives here, right? Like I've got the narrative that Cincinnati is terrible and Yopstam is incompetent. I've got the narrative that New England's not a top three team. Like I don't, I can't win. Next podcast is going to be a lot of fun. That's all I'm going to say. But let's wrap up the podcast with our players of the week, goals of the week, and games to watch. Let's start with our goals of the week, because why not? And we were just talking about Cincy, so why don't I give my selection for the goal of the week, which I'm surprised neither of you picked. And that was Gustavo Valencilla, or Valencilla. I think it's uh, Valencia. Valencia? Great. This is what I get for not speaking Spanish. Uh, Gustavo Valencilla's diving header against Montreal to give Cincinnati their first win of the season. What a goal is all I'm going to say. What a goal. Because 
I don't know what else you can expect from a guy like that. Like, I didn't expect that to happen. That was insane. Um, but what were your guys' goals of the week? Uh, we'll start with Josh. I went with uh, Alan Polito. I think it was his second goal of the game because he scored a brace. Um, so I'm Atsu. I'm going to go with. Um, it was just a, a rocket across his body. Um, it wasn't quite upper ninety, but it hit the underside of the crossbar. It was just a really, really nice finish. And uh, poor San Jose man, they were like hanging in there, and then Polito pretty much put it away with that goal. So. It was a really good goal. That's my goal of the week. Drew, how about you? What was yours? I went with another fantasy player, favorite of mine, Lucas Del Rion's second free kick. Um, he scored two, and uh, the first one was good, but the second one was even better. So I was Del Rion's free kick goal. Um, speaking of Del Rion, let's get to our player of the week, Josh. Who did you vote for? Who else do you think deserved a shout of player of the week this week? Yeah, I did pick Lucas Elrion. Um I was watching that game. And, man, I mean, New York City FC, they had Columbus's number the whole time. But it doesn't matter when you have Lucas Elrion and you get two free kicks. I mean, the fact that he scored two, I mean, it was Jovinko-esque, right? Um, and I think Jovinko was the last player to score two direct free kicks in a game. Um, so, yeah, Zellerion was my player of the week. And then I picked, oh, Kevin Kratz. No, I think. Yeah, I definitely. Jivika wasn't in the league think, anymore when Kevin Kratz did that. No, he was. Was they he? Were, he was still in the league, but he was like pretty injured at that point. Yeah, Connor, wasn't uh, Jovinko's last season 2019? Like the beginning? Yes. Yeah, Kratz still, hit those free yes. kicks in 2018. No. I, I do think, Drew, yes, I think you're right. Yeah, I, Drew, I think you're right that Kratz was the most recent because I don't think Jovinko had a double free kick game since, like, 2017 probably. But but anyway, yeah, Zellerion, fantastic, even if the the goalkeeping from Sean Johnson was slightly questionable in the first goal. But the way Zellerion hit that ball, like, I, I can't be too upset with him. And then uh, I picked Felipe Mora as my second choice. He had to come in uh, for Andy Polo after that really awful tackle in the Galaxy game, and he scored a brace off the bench. Um, and funny enough, and we've talked about it on this podcast, but Portland Timbers have still never scored a hat trick in MLS ever, and they've been around for like 10 years, and they won a penalty, and freaking Diego Valeri took the penalty instead of Felipe Mora, who was on a hat trick. Like, they still... Like, I think at this point, like, the Timbers are just committed to never scoring a hat trick in MLS. Like, they're actively avoiding <laughs> scoring a hat trick. Like, like for the for the joke, I guess. Like, I don't know. It was like a bit to them. Uh, but anyway, Felipe Mora was my second choice. Connor, also in Portland. Yes? Giovinco, his last season was 2018. He signed with, uh, who was it? Al-Halal in the beginning of 2019. Like January 2019. There you go. So, clarification on that front, because I got very confused. But yes, jumping off of the Portland front. And uh, speaking of getting confused. And speaking of getting confused, I initially had the wrong Portland goalkeeper. Uh, (laughs) Picked as my player of the week. Uh, But I went with Logan Ketterer, uh, who I stopped a penalty. He has... Two clean sheets. Just had a really, really good 
couple week a uh, couple weeks for Portland. Um, and he's their third string goalkeeper. Yeah, and third string goalkeeper too, which makes sense why I mixed him up. Um, <laughs> there's no excuse for that. Yeah, but, he's not. I, I mean, hey, to be fair, he's not a household name. So, no, eight, number thirty though. Good, interesting soccer number. Um, so yeah, shout out him for having a really good couple weeks uh, because. Goalkeepers don't get much love for Player of the Week on this podcast, and I figured I'd give a goalkeeper a little bit of love. So, Drew, who is your Player of the Week, and why is Josh going to call him overrated? My Player of the Week is Diego Rossi. Uh, He scored two goals in LAFC's 2-1 win over the Colorado Rapids, uh, both in the first half. So we got off to a fast early start and helped LAFC beat the Rapids, which we talked about. The Rapids, pretty solid start to the season, and he gets another shot against a pretty good team this upcoming week uh, against NYCFC Saturday. So I went with Diego Rossi um, as my player of the week, which leads us into our games to watch, which Josh, that worked out really well. I didn't know that, but you love watching overrated players, so who, what's your game of the week? Um, <laughs> I think it's on a baseball field, so you love watching overrated players on a baseball field, playing on a baseball field, on a social media platform, so what's your game of the week this week? Yeah, so, so <laughs> fortunately, uh, it's not on the baseball field because if it was, I'd want to claw my eyes out if I was watching this game. But uh, LAFC is hosting uh, New York City FC. And as overrated as I think Diego Rossi is, it doesn't excuse the fact that LAFC are a really good team. Um, the reason why I picked this game, one, it's an interconference game, and there's only two of these between teams all season. Um, and I know for a fact that LAFC's only other Eastern Conference opponent is Atlanta United because I have tickets to that game. So I'm really okay, interested. Okay, just flex. <laughs> Continue to flex on me. I get it. Uh, so I'm really – don't forget, I'm taking my, my LAFC uh, former roommate fan, the one who picked them because of the Peregrine Falcon. But anyway, um, look, NYCFC have looked pretty good this season. You know, they – they got Lucas Celereon this past weekend, which was unfortunate for them because they were playing well. Um, and they're not exactly sitting great in the standings because they're only in sixth. But from the games I've watched from them, like they've definitely performed a lot better than I think any of us were expecting. And they still have Talos Magno on the way. Um, Ebert hasn't even you know, played for them yet. And not that those guys are going to make a difference for them or anything, but I'm just interested to see how they stack up against LAFC. These are two teams that are still trying to look for a sort of rhythm early in the season. And uh, like I said, intra-conference match, it should be really entertaining um, because we won't get to see these teams very much. So that's my pick. It's 5 p.m. on Twitter on Saturday. Connor, what is your game of the week? My game of the week feels like a must-win for both teams. Uh... Columbus versus Toronto, 3 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, Both have had less than ideal starts to the season, and it really feels like a must-win for both these teams, or at least a necessity to get points. Uh, Their last game, Toronto FC came out on top, but we'll see how Columbus does in this game. Um, But I want to move on to Drew's because his is the best. Uh, But what I want you to do, Drew is I want you to read what you typed word for word at the volume you typed it. I can't scream because it is 11.13 here, so and it's 12.13 <laughs> for you guys, but I'm just imagining Gandalf falling down 
in Lord of the Rings when he says, fly, you fools. That's what I'm thinking. How did you guys not pick this game? RSL versus Minnesota United. It is the return of whatever the rivalry is called. I don't know. The kick the ball in the stands, Darby, David Ochoa, Adrian Heath. The script is written. RSL's been on this kind of decent start. Minnesota looking like they're turning it around. Chance for three straight. The the fireworks, man. I am so excited. Who needs the UCL final? David Ochoa is not going to be there. Wait. He's with the U.S. for Switzerland. But, oh, yeah, crap, because it's on Sunday. Dang it. Oh. <sighs> that is the worst. What? Oh, my gosh. I, uh, I guess that's still my game of the week. <laughs> Dang. Okay, I'm going to keep. That sucks. Maybe eight. Oh. Maybe Adrian Heath will kick a ball into the stands or something. I don't know. <laughs> Man, that's still my game of the in, week. Is this in uh This is our last Salt game Lake of the season. This, this is in RSL. It's in RSL. This is in RSL. Imagine Minnesota win. They kick they it kick into the, the ball. RSL oh, supporter let's section. Let's go. I, okay, that's, I'm still, I still have hope. That's why I'm watching the game. That's why I'm excited about it. RSL, Minnesota. Nothing else is going on on Saturday. There's no other games you guys need to be watching. RSL. <laughs> That's how you know the league has made it when the focus of our soccer attention is on Real Star Lake and Minnesota United. So that's the game I have picked to watch. All right. Well, with that, we've been going for, probably with you listening to this, 108 minutes, 105 minutes, because we have to cut out a uh, bit of a conversation we had mid-podcast, <laughs> thanks to Mr. Boland. Um, but we must, as always, wrap up with our fantasy update, which, yeah, uh, that has not been a good week for you, Josh. Um, let me just pull up our league, because I want to get your points exactly right. Um, just because it's so unbelievably embarrassing. You are currently sitting, Mr. Boland, in last place. You put up 55 points this week. Well, not actually on last. You're in last place. 274 points. Currently, first in the league, is the legend, Goat Brekshay, also known as Nelson, who has 533 points. He has almost double your point total. That is embarrassing. And Drew, you are doing slightly better in you're beating him by over 100 points, but you're still in 14th of 17, although it's really 14 of 16, sitting with 383 points, and I'm the only one mid-table with 417 points tied with Ivan Arnelas for ninth. So, I'm going to need you two boys to do a little bit better uh, this weekend because you are really embarrassing the podcast. But, you know, I guess it is what it is. But running at the top three, we have, I love this name, Colorado Crapids with <laughs> two Ks. Um, that is Curtis. And then... Blender Daddy's Boys is falling down the table, currently sitting in third. Uh, 
five points behind Colorado Crapids. So it's tight up top, kind of, in the MLS Multiplex Fantasy League, which if you haven't joined, will be linked down below. But without further ado, Drew... Do you want to take us out, or do you want me to? I would be happy to take us out. Thank you guys again so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And as always, visit the website, MLSMultiplex.com, to catch up on a lot of awesome written content from our writers as they continue to produce really awesome stuff throughout the season. Um, And visit the website on Twitter, at MLSMultiplex, to see stories as they get posted on the website, you can find us on Twitter as well. Myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Connor at CWG Somerville, and Josh at Josh underscore Boland. So give us a follow on Twitter to see our tweets and rants about players and games and everything as they happen. And again, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, please sure to leave a review on the podcast. We love hearing from you guys, hearing how we can get better, how we can improve. So be sure to do that. And as always, give us a listen next week, and we will talk to you then. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.